Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where we talk WTA and all things handicapping the WTA. I'm your host, Noops, and joining me as always on wonderful, beautiful Sacramento, bright and early. It's like 8 o'clock there. I'm sure he's got his cup of coffee or really probably his rock star. How's it going, Spread? How'd you know I got some Rockstar, I got some Gatorade, I'm ready to go. That's absolutely beautiful. And we have a special treat this week. Joining us, the first ever guest here on the Net Worth Podcast, we have Tennis Twitter's tackless tyrannical troll, all hail the king, John Joe is here to join us today. How's it going, bud? Hi, it's good, man. Cheers for having me on here. Um, first time for me doing a podcast, but uh, I'll try and give my best uh, insights on how I do things and what I think of the tour in general, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you on and talk to you a little bit. So my guess is based on your accent, you probably hail from somewhere near London. Uh, in the in the middle, in the middle. But I've been living in Scotland for a long time now anyway. But yeah. Okay. I mean, really, any from the United States, we know the United Kingdom's a whole country, but it's really London and just about nothing else. So it's good that you give us a little <laughs> bit of perspective. So I... You know, so diving in just a little bit here, you know, we wanted to start with, I guess, really the, f- the first topic that led to us possibly having you on, John Joe, the unfortunate retire of Aga Rudwanska, one of your absolute very favorite players. And, you know, we haven't seen much of Rudwanska for the last couple of years or so, probably have been two years, really, since she's been an impactful player on the tour. But, you know, give us your thoughts on her and, and, your, and her career and how sad you are to see her go. It's um, such a shame, really. I mean, she's got such a unique style and a bit of elegance, do you know what I mean? It's a bit like, it's missing on both sides, especially the men's, but even the women's, she's she's like the leader in that style. I think there's not many others who, there's a few others in line who could probably emulate the style, but the variety, the, you know, the flexibility, you know that shot where she, this, the squash shot, she, she, she gets onto her knees and hits it. I think only her and Kerber can do it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's a really particular sort of pretty style to watch. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, who would you think would be uh, would be the one that would take the mantle that can maybe uh, take over as Redwanska's uh, title as you know the most? Uh, I don't know what would be the right way to put it, but shot maker, the most You're aesthetically t- pleasing player. Uh, it's tricky. Uh, th- you know, there's a different style. There's like you got your Krunik and uh, Sevastova, they, but they're not full-on flair they're more variety mixed they're not really i think hmm, it's tricky there, there isn't there isn't a there's only one red one ski you know what i mean We'll just have to wait. Hopefully some little girl grows up watching her and then we get that form back. So uh, it's disappointing to see her go and hopefully someday soon we'll get somebody. So, you know, John, let's talk about you a little bit. I know that um, you've been on Twitter for a while, you know, off and on uh, as your behavior goes up and down a little. But uh, you've been handicapping <laughs> tennis for a while, pretty pretty profitably so, if I would have to say. I don't know about you, Spread, but I've been following John Joe for a little while. Yeah, he's always doing real well with the picks and... Uh it always worried me if I had made a bet, and then I noticed that uh, he was on the opposite side. So let's talk about tennis for you, John Joe, a little bit. Did you grow up playing? Do you still play a little bit? Um, what's your background? Um, well, in, in England, it's mainly everyone's about football here, but I I did play tennis for a little bit from age of 7 till 15. Then I stopped, I think, just because maybe in, I, I got lost interest a little bit, to be honest, and then I got back into it maybe the last three or four years. But I've not really been playing now, but obviously watching and a big fan now. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, I haven't played too much myself at all. I've maybe held a tennis racket half a dozen times. It's not as big of a sport as you might think over here. I know, Spread, you played a little bit growing up, right? Yeah, that was my main sport growing up, and I played pretty much so I had a tennis elbow in high school, and then I kind of got away from it. Ouch, yeah. Well, that's too bad. You'll have to uh, clean off your rackets in case John Jover makes it all the way out to California. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about handicapping a little bit. Um, you know, when you're breaking down a match, what, what do you like to do? Is Do you have a model? Do you have a set of numbers you look at? Is it more of a feel-based thing? Um, you know, how do you organize yourself as you, as you look at the, the lines every day or um, and make picks? Um, very broad question. Let me uh, let me think. I guess um, you got to sometimes you got to think about the human element a lot, and I some people ignore that too much. Say if a player has an out, uh, you know, a, a grueling match with someone like Aliev's Cornet or something, you know, nearly two hours. You got to think the next match is going to be a, they're going to be a bit tired. You know, what I mean, you got to these little last little, little things you got to consider. Yeah, in terms of fatigue, how do you, um, you know, what's a long match? Is it two hours? Is it three hours? Is it, you know, haven't played three, four days in a row? You know, because as you get later in the week, obviously everybody's a little bit tired. They've been playing all week. You know, what is it you just look for that sort of big, grueling three-set match the day before? Um, it could be the one, it could be the one before that. Like, you could have a, a grueling match, then you could have a straight set, 6-2, six, 6-2, two, six, two, and then you could go into the next match, and you'll still have a hangover from that other match. It can work like that, I think. Just depends. Um, yeah. Um, just fit oh yeah, yeah and fatigue also, fatigue, fatigue, sorry, fatigue is like uh, a tricky thing because don't believe everything in the media. Like for example, just just now, uh, Alex Zero, he was like, um, "Oh, the tour's too long. I'm, f I'm finding it difficult." He goes and knocks off Federer, Djokovic. You know what I mean? It's all uh, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, it's tough to listen to stuff in social media and try to, you know, have any takes from that. You know, Spread, I don't know, how do you look at f fatigue and um, trying to figure out, you know, who's fresh that day? Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I had a problem with it when I started handicapping because I don't think I accounted for it uh, as much as I should have. I kind of figured that they're all professionals, they're all top-level athletes, and, um, you know, that, you know, they'd be practicing usually on the days that they weren't playing anyways. So I think I was thinking of it too much as physical fatigue, where I think the mental fatigue, um, especially on the WTA, is where a lot of these women have problems, you know, when they're just fighting, fighting, fighting. And, and then you've seen matches where you can kind of see them just give up, you know, at a big point, you know. Maybe they get broken at 5-all on the third or whatever, and you can just see everything go away. So uh, I'm trying to do a better job of, of, of handicapping fatigue going into 2019. Yeah, fatigue is definitely something that's really important. Um, so, you know, when John Joe, when you're breaking down a match, when you look at a kind of player A versus player B, um, what do you think of when you're starting to try to figure out the style of each player? What styles do you tend to prefer over other styles, you think? Um, as in to bet on or just to watch? I mean... Yeah, to bet on. To bet on. Uh, lately, I've been a fan of power big hitters because they, they take the they take the game in their own hands do you know what i mean they they don't really they don't wait for errors they 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 just hit through you they'll go for the winner they'll go for the win that's i get more confidence betting on these kind of players yeah i think i like a lot of power players too what do you think thanks brad maybe somebody like arena sabalanka 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say we're definitely going to have to get uh, John Joe's um, uh, thoughts about our two favorite players. But uh, I think that I actually uh, fall prey to, to overvaluing power. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, I, I prefer the pretty shot makers and the, and the big hitters because they're more fun to watch. And then it just sucks to... You know, you think you're going to get, you know, a Kvitova, you know, or a Sabalenka, and then they go down to a Wozniacki uh, or a Kerber who just hits the ball back, and, you know, they don't make a mistake, and you're just like, dang it, why didn't I see this coming? Yeah, that stuff's always tough, trying to figure out exactly how it's, um, you know, how matches are going to play out. It, it can be really, really frustrating to watch somebody, again, like, you know, my very favorite, Miss, Miss Sabalenka, hit the ball, just crush it over and over and over again but missing lines by half an inch here half an inch there and you know have somebody who doesn't necessarily have the same skill uh, just returning the ball over and over and over again so let's talk a little bit about 2018 a little bit um you know we had just had on our last podcast i'm sure you listened john joe to the net worthies where we gave out our awards for the year i just kind of wanted to maybe get your thoughts on on some of the categories and you know what what uh how, what the fans decided and what what you thought was the best so Starting with uh, Rookie of the Year, we had Jessica Pagula, Olga Danilovic, Danilovic and uh, Claire Liu and Amanda Anasimova. I think we ended up giving it to Anasimova, right, Spread? Yep. What do you think, John Joe? Was, was she the best, uh, maybe not new player, obviously, because we see all these girls since, you know, they're te- and basically teenagers, but, you know, was she your sort of favorite new player this year? Um, when you say new player, do you mean, like, breakthrough into the main draws of W2A, WCA? Yeah, that, that's kind of what we were drawing up. Uh, women that uh, had played a lot more in WTA tournaments as opposed to, you know, what we had seen in ITFs and things like that in previous years. Yeah, I would have went with Amanda as well out of that list. Maybe Danielovic had a good run. Did she win the title? She won She won versus another young player. I can't remember who. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, she beat... Um, she won Moscow. Who did she beat in Moscow? It was another, she, oh, another uh, young talent. I can't remember the name. Potapova. Ah, there we oh go. yeah, Potapova. <laughs> yeah, very nice. She deserves it. Yeah, on that list, I think. Yeah, Amanda. She, I think, was it? She beat Kvitova in. I can't. I do not. My my memory's gone a bit here, but yeah, I think it was Kvitova she beat. Yeah, she had a really impressive year. Is she that kind of power player you're looking for? Um, I I'll be honest. I've not watched her a lot. Um, it's kind of gone out of my head a bit there's, there, there, do you know what I mean there's so many plays you've got to keep tabs on and it gets difficult but um, it's all about remembering the main players if you're betting do you know what I mean uh, remember, if you remember the right players then you're not getting you're not following the wrong ones yeah, it's tough. There's so many different things to keep track of. Let's jump ahead to Coach of the Year. I know you had some thoughts here. Um, I'm tr- actually trying to remember, Spread. I think we ended up giving this award to Peter McNamara, but you were a big big in favor, I believe, for uh, Dmitry Surinov. Right, John Joe? Yeah, I mean, she, if you take into consideration her age and where she was, like, mid, I say, the summer last year, she was nobody. Nobody knew her. And then all of a sudden, I think... T- Dimitri Terzanov has got um, he's given her a cool head sometimes and he's he's made her think more I think uh, I mean she was she was very erratic late last year She obviously she got to the final with Sharapova and then she lost a tight one 7-5 seven, 7-6 seven, seven, or something like that um, but the big it's a huge step improvement that was, that's an amazing coaching team and I think well, we'll have to see what happens next year Big, big things will happen. 
Yeah, he definitely had an impressive year coaching up Miss Savalanka, and I'm, I'm really excited to watch her next year, as I think our listeners know very well. And let's jump to the big one, MVP. We had uh, four nominees there. We actually ended up going with all four of the major winners, Simona Halep, Caroline Wozniacki, Angelique Kerber, and Naomi Osaka. So who do you think had the best year? Any of those four women? Somebody else? Um, best year? Uh, I think, you know, I'm not a, the biggest fan of Halop, but I think she deserved it. I'll go Halop. Yeah, she had just a great year. We broke it down last week a little bit. I think she made something like six finals, won three of them, got her first um, Grand Slam final, <coughs> actually made the final in um, the Australian Open as well. So we ended up choosing her. Now, you know, you, you mentioned you're not maybe her biggest fan. What don't you like about Simona Halop's game? Um, I think... Uh, it's not. It's not the most exciting gear to watch, to be honest. Uh, obviously, it's good. Uh, defense is amazing, but I, I, I wish she would. She does win more matches, or she gets better results when she, when she attacks herself or tries to. She can counter punch really well. Uh, back backhand's pretty good. Um, she's obviously for someone shorter. She 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 overachieves amazingly, and I have respect for that. Um, what was the question again? Was it what I? don't like about her yeah <laughs> well what i don't like about her um yeah i think it's it just sounds like the, she's just boring <laughs> she, she is a bit like uh if i compare the two a men's player like carino buster or something you know it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's just a grinder you know what i mean nothing nothing really no special shot just good at everything and really a pest to play against and how do you think the loss of cahill will affect her going into 2019 Mm, she, she could surprise them and come out all uh, independent, you know. She could just, she could just, uh, or she replaced him, or do you know anything about that? I don't think she's announced her replacement yet, no. She's, uh, she, she's been around a while. I think she'll be okay. I don't think. We won't see any, might see a few shock round one exits like she usually has. Was it US Open? She does that a lot. Round one. Yeah. Yeah. That was the Sharapova, though, wasn't it? And that was <laughs> 2017. I love that. That was great. <laughs> well, I'm sure Simona Halep is very disappointed to hear that you think she's boring, John Joe. But to be honest, I kind of agree. Um, you watch a lot of her matches. You know, she, she does hit a lot of really nice shots. But it's you're right. It's a lot of returning. It's a lot of chasing. It's not kind of the you know you don't really you're not going to see too many aces if any. There's going to be a couple double faults. But she really does a good job of, of getting it done. You know, talking about coaching a little bit more. Um, you know, how important is coaching to you when you when you start to look at players? It sounds like a player, a more established player like Simona Halep. You're not as, as concerned about it whereas maybe a younger player it might be more important but you know overall what what is what do you think of the role of coaches and how important is that for you when you're handicapping um it becomes more important at the grand slams i mean it separates the the weak women from the strong independent women who don't need reassurance they just they have the game plan they they adapt on the on the court if they lose the first set they got to think it out for themselves not panic and cry and you know Sevastova or whoever they always cry and you know what I mean and I think <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> yeah no well, it's we definitely agree I think for, from time to time Spread and I set an over under on Sevastova tears and uh, it's well into the 20s whenever we put a line out <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know um, 
I guess, do you know, there was a big debate with uh, Patrick Moratoglu recently, and um, I, they, he's right in some aspects. It does improve some matches, but it's, it's unfair as well because not every player can afford to have a, a world-class coach with them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I don't actually know how much these guys are, are getting paid, but I don't know if, if you or John do have any idea of what a, a coach's salary looks like for these WTA players, but you're right, it creates a little bit of a haves-not and a, ha- a haves. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there, did you know uh, the recently Kazakina beat Jabor, was it in the final, and uh, in, indoors, and um, her coach came out after and said, well, it's not really fair because Jabor doesn't have a on, she doesn't have a coach she can't afford a coach to come with her so it creates a an unfair advantage sometimes too yeah I definitely think you're right what do you think about coaching spread yeah how do you how do you look at it um, do you think it's something that, that more players should have or that we should try to maybe balance the playing field out there a little bit or, or is it something that should maybe a little be more restricted in tournaments uh, yeah, I'm not as worried about the have and have not. Uh, I like the coaching personally, and it's just one of those things where they're doing it anyway, so you might as well just allow it because um, really the uh, intervention of, of, of Carlos Ramos trying to stop the coaching really you know, marred the, the U.S. Open final. And um, the funny thing, though, is, is we had seen kind of pretty much the same stuff the whole time, and... Um, so, yeah, I'm all for coaching. I'm not as worried about the haves and have-nots. One question I did have for John Joe, though, speaking of coaches and losing the coaches, because that's what I'm thinking about going next year, is how do you think that Kerber will deal with uh, losing Facet as her coach? Because she seems to do really well when he's coaching her, and she's uh, he's left her again. Mm, I, I don't know. I think Kerber's... She's really experienced. I mean, she's won three... Was it three Grand Slams now? So, but she's won them all with Fisette as her coach, right? She won two in 2016 and one last year. Oh sh. Um, well, yeah, good, good point. I'm just trying to think. Well, this is this is where it comes into it. Though. I mean, I don't think it will affect her at a Grand Slam because it's an even playing field already there. Um, she's what. The? One second. Uh, yeah, thirty. She's um, she's in her thirties, so I mean, it's not really. I don't think it's a big deal for her as say a younger player. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we're definitely going to be looking at tracking co- some coaching stuff more, and it sounds like, and I think that makes sense, you know, for an older, more established player that, that knows kind of their game, that knows how to settle themselves down in big moments, that um, coaching probably be a little less important. We'll try to maybe look for it for some of these younger players. So as we try to maybe look back to a little bit more on, on 2018, John Joe, it's, uh, what, what women did, you know, were really good for you this year? Who made you some money? Oh, um, got to think, I think, uh, if you if you caught Daniel Collins in that run in the in the desert swing, that was pretty amazing. If you the, the value on her, she was on a roll. She was knocking off because it Coco Vanderway, Madison Keys, Venus Williams, all that big money odds. And I think she really she broke through. And we I, I didn't really know her before that to be honest. When I was watching it, I was like, where's she been? Yeah, I'm, I'm flipping back through. I'm looking here at um, Miami. Yeah, beats Coco Vandeweghe, Donna Vekic, Monica Puig, and then Venus Williams all in a row. I, I, I don't have the odds in front of me, but those must have been just absolutely spectacular. Uh, Spread, do you remember betting on any of those matches? 
Yeah, I remember I was in on that too. And I, one thing I was impressed with Collins was that her forehand was able to go. Um, you know, she was right there with Beanie. She was right there with Coco just blasting the ball. Uh, I think she's kind of, her weaknesses on the backhand side. Um, but I remember being really impressed with her. And then I remember, I think I gave it all back because uh, I was kind of thinking she was better than she was. And when she went over to Europe, you know, she didn't have the same results. Yeah, when you start to look at Madrid, you start to look at Rome. Um, Roland Garros obviously was a big disappointment. Um, and some of the other tournaments, you're right, spread. She had a good beginning of the year and then just kind of fell off. So we'll have to look at her next year and see if she maybe has a little return to form. Or, you know, maybe she's just one of those people that likes the nice weather in Newport Beach. Indian Wells in Miami. I think um, you've got to adjust. You've got to. Do you know when players break through, they they struggle to adjust to the new fame and the money. She must have earned more than anything she had earned previously in her career up until now in that one tournament, in that one big run. So it affects. It affected. It affected Ostapenko last year, and then when she won the Roland Garros, and then her year this year has been awful because of it. She just. Her mind is gone. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about Ostapenko a little bit more, Spread? Or are you ready for that? Are you feeling comfortable? Are you, are you in a yeah, safe no, place? That, <laughs> yeah, no, this is what I've been waiting for. I want to hear John Joe break down Ostapenko's chances for 2019 because I'll tell you what, I'm not that um, high on her. I think that she's going to take a whole other year of just messing around and flying to Riga and going to fashion shows and going to pop <laughs> concerts. And I'm thinking 2020 might be the year that she returns. Uh, to prominence. What do you think, John? Oh, what a character! She's she's great for the tour. I mean, she's she's brilliant to watch when she's on. She just smacks winners against anyone. When when she was when she gave Halep the beatdown, that was brilliant because it's just exciting to watch. Backhand, forehand. She, she hasn't even got a serve, and she won a Grand Slam. It's, it's brilliant. Um, but it's just um, give her some time. You're right. I think. If she she's she's still a teenager. I mean, give her one or two years, and she'll maybe she'll find the right coach. She'll find the right balance. I mean, she might win a little title here and there next year. We don't know, but it will be building blocks now. She won the big one first. Hey. Yeah, she's kind of had an interesting career like that, where her first career title was uh, <laughs> was a Grand Slam, and then I think she won. Uh, uh, Seoul or, yeah, or Hong Seoul, Kong last yeah, year. Yeah, little title. Yeah, Seoul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then, um, you know, that's about it for her. And she's, um, I don't know, it's 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 tough being a fan of hers because even in these tournaments, she'll come out and she'll blow someone off the court in the first round. And you'll be like, oh, okay, she's here, she's here. <laughs> and then the next round, it's just spray, you know, balls hitting the fence three feet wide and she's challenging. It's like, it's, it's wide of the doubles court, you know, why are you challenging these things? <laughs> it's great when you get on the other player that day, you know. If you if you fade Sabalenka on the right day, she's just spraying. You get some big value or on Ostapenko, yeah. This year she's just it's like the Jack Sock situation. She she's um, yeah. If you faded Ostapenko this year, you would have made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it was actually pretty easy, especially towards the end when she was hurt because. Uh, what I've been reading now, she hasn't. Even, her wrist was so bad, she hasn't even picked up a racket, and she probably won't until January, because uh, she so she was carrying that injury and just trying to get the appearance fees, I guess. Um, so let's see how much the injury really affected her, and hopefully she's back to normal next year. But I'm not holding out hopes. So do you, do you have a favorite player of your own, John Joe? I know that um, Spread is a card-carrying Ostapenko fan, and I love Arena Sabalenka more than just about anything. How about you? Um. 
I've got a few favourite players. I, I don't think I've got got a, got a favourite player this year. I've got a few. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Sabalenka. She's brilliant to watch. Uh, um, big fan of that style. Um, always been a fan of Sevastova. Um, the slicing and dicing. Uh, who else is there? Sevastova is so hard to watch. She just, if you have money on her, you just never feel confident. Because at a drop of a hat, she's just turning. She's like slumped over. She's crying. And then all of a sudden, she'll hit three aces in a row and everything's fine. It's an absolute heart attack. Oh, it's a roller coaster. And I wonder how much her coach, being, uh, being her boyfriend or, or husband, has to do with that. I wonder if it makes her feel more comfortable to act like that. Is this the, um, the Austrian coach that she has? I, I, I hear her speaking German and stuff. I think German. I don't know if they I didn't know they were dating. I didn't know that was the thing. I thought they were just coach and player. I thought they were. I could be wrong, but I was under the impression that, that was her, her coach was also her boyfriend. Mm. That's got to be a weird dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. So who else we got, John? Who else um, we got, John Joe? Let's uh, let's get John Joe's uh, um, uh, predictions for Sabalenka next year. We had kind of discussed on the last pod whether or not we thought that she would win a slam. Do you think that she's uh, going to be able to win a slam here in 2019? Mm. You know, if yeah I think so I think she's in there she's in I don't know which which slam she could win any of them <laughs> that's the thing um, maybe well we threw out the French we didn't think she has a chance in, in Roland Garros I think she does I mean oh really why is I that mean, imagine her she's got she's got all the attributes Ostapenko had to win it but she's got a big serve as well the three points the I guess she's more clutch than Ostapenko. She's more. She doesn't have to hit 50 errors and 60 winners. She can narrow it down a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that we just don't think. I don't know about a spread, but I don't think of her as someone that, that moves well enough on clay to be successful in a two-week tournament. There, um, you're right. I mean, the power and, and her ability to, you know, seemingly block everything out and just win those big points is huge. But I just wonder if she has the movement to to do it for two weeks. I agree. Actually, I've not I've not seen her I, I've not seen her a lot on clay, so I'm I'm kind of just assuming. I'm, I think, but in the future, for sure, she'll be a she'll be in there with a Roland Garros chance. That's interesting. So let's actually look at some of the slams for next year. Let's see if we can figure out who's who's going to win all all four. So we got the Australian Open coming up first. Who do we think wins the Australian Open this year, boys? Mm. Not Switalina. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God Jorge's not here to hear that, but I think I agree. Um, I mean, Serena, if Serena Williams is healthy, and it looks like in all her recent pictures and photo ops that she's doing everything she can to be in tip-top shape, I don't. I honestly don't see how anybody t- takes care of her, um, knocks her off. But if we had to pick somebody besides Serena, is this maybe the one Sabalanka wins? Or can we maybe see? I don't know, Spread. I know you like cheering for the uh, the American women. Is there any chance that we see, you know, maybe Madison Keys or Monica Puig put it together? No, I don't think an American has a chance. If I were to choose, I would say um, obviously a, a fully fit Halep. If she's recovered from the injury, she has to be a force. I mean, she she almost won it last year. Um, the defending champion was Niaki. I think that we're going to have problems picking her um, with the. Uh, news of, of her disease because I don't know if she's going to be able to put together two weeks now 
Um, but I mean, obviously, she you know she has a chance, and I love Kerber on hard courts. Um, but I'm, I'll be interested to see how well she does without her coach, because I know that when Fassett left in 2017, she had a horrible year. Um, I think the Wozniacki thing, okay, it's quite bad news. I feel feel sorry for her, but um, I don't... She's How old is she? She's like late 20s, I think. She's still pretty young. Yeah, I think she's just around 30. Yeah, I think she's 28. Yeah, she's not like Venus Williams in terms of it will have a massive impact just yet I think she'll be okay I think well is she I know she said she's felt pain but I think players usually prepare really well for the slams and if she prioritised it I don't think it would be a massive hindrance I'm not obviously taking it with a bit of pinch of salt again I'm just assuming but she could come out and blow out win it again do you know what I mean you just don't know Chanjo, do you think Osaka's got a chance there at the Australian? Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe. I. She might. She know what I mean. She's a bit. Um, she's another young. She won the big titles first. Was it, was it Indian Wells or Miami? Then she won the U.S. Open. She might have another Ostapenko kind of year where it might fall flat. She might just struggle to deal with the, with the uh, expectations more than anything. I'm not really. Not really that confident on her to do too much next year. Maybe she's just going to steady the ship, win one or two titles. You know, be consistent is probably the biggest thing for young players. Could either you guys see? Yeah. Could you guys see Carolina Pliskova winning this tournament at all? She's coming off the, the you know the solid end of the year, getting a little rest, and I don't you know she has the big serve to maybe get it done. E, oh, her she's looking very good with Renee Stubbs. I think. That is a good partnership, and she seems happy. She seems motivated. She gets the best out of her, as we've seen the la- later later in the year. So, yeah, she's in there. She's definitely in there. I think she's always in there with that big serve, like you say. Yeah, I worry about uh, Pliskova having to just go against retriever after retriever in a slam, and her getting worn down. Um, so, but the Stubbs is, is, I think, is the factor, and I think that shows how important coaching is because once Stubbs jumped on, did she look like a, a much different player? I mean, she was just easy fade material all summer, and then on the Asian swing, she, she really found her, uh, found her way, and she was uh, fun to back again. It's a massive impact. I mean, if, if a player is happy with a coach, it, it's just good chemistry for, to, win, to win titles or to go deep. So yeah. Okay, so we got a couple good names there for the Australian. Let's jump ahead to the uh, to the next one. Actually, I can't even remember, guys. This sounds terrible. What does come next? Is it Wimbledon next, and then the French? No, French. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Big. All right, so the French. Yeah, so the French <laughs> Open. Obviously, I, I've got to do a little more prep myself for the next year. So who do we got for the French <laughs> Open? Simeno Halep defending her title. You know, Ostapenko. Does she come back injured and and and? When it, you know, taking a year off. Who do we like in, on the clay in Roland Garros next year, guys? Veronica Sepid Roig. She's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. One of John Joe's favorite terms, the centipede, which uh, spread guessed very incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I think, you know, the French Open, that's a, because it's a specialist uh, court surface, I'm not. A lot of players, they struggle on it. I mean, obviously, you guys are a big fan of Kiki Burton, so maybe she can do something. What do you think? Ugh. 
I like I like Burton's Halep and Williams, and uh, Noobs is not a fan of. of Kiki I lost so much money betting, betting against Kiki Burton's this year; it's disgusting. But I think she definitely has the game for it. And I was I was pretty impressed with her year end. She kind of backdoored into the WTA finals, and I thought you know had a really respectful outing there. And you're right; if she's going to win a Grand Slam, it, it has to be the French, right? <laughs> I can't. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm not a fan either. Well, I mean, she, she, you know what it is? Um, I think if it is, I don't know, Kiki Burton's, let's see. Yeah, the French, it's the obvious choice for her. I mean, she's got the power to hit through. She's got, she's got amazing variety, but there's something I don't like about it. I'm not sure, but mm, she, she's mentally what improved this year. Yeah. What about somebody like Daria Katsikini? Do you see her game uh, doing well on a surface like this? No, her forehand is not that great. I mean, and her serve is still a bit suspect, I think. Oh, she has the worst serve <laughs> of anyone in the top 20. Is she top 20 now? I've I mean, looked. <laughs> oh, she's, she's top 10. 10. She finished the year oh, number 10. God. That's not good. <laughs> Well, that's good. We can make some money betting against her on, on some of the clay tournaments next year. I'm just looking through thinking this. Well, I think she'll do all right on clay. But her problem is on those second serves, on the big points, she gets broken too easily because, she, you know, her opponents are able to just smack she, she winners. Because it's she just, just like... She in. She just... It's a she practice just ball. in and then yeah. someone like Julia Gerges will just pound it for a winner. Yeah. Uh, I just... Um, French Open, let me think... Uh, there's a few players who I've wanted to do well there for years, but they've just had injuries, like uh, Laura Siegemund or someone like that. Yeah, Siegemund, she's been... Hopefully she'll be 100% this year. She kind of made a nice little run there at the end um, where she seemed to be healthy, but it was a little too little too late for her yeah. for the oh, season. Um, another one came to my mind, Contivate. She She's good on clay. I like her on clay. She's got... She's got a good serve. She's got backhand, forehand, good move, good move on the clay as well. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, my problem with Contavite is she uh, she never puts together like more than two or three good matches in a row. It seems like I'll watch her one night and I'll be like, I mean, this girl's going to make the top ten. She's unbelievable. And then the next night she can't hit a ball in. You know, um, she's just so inconsistent. I, I can't see her winning seven in a row. Well, maybe quarter-finalist, maybe something like that. But Sharapova, I think this is this is it now. She's she's getting on a bit, and I think it's her time, really. I mean, she, she, she's got another slam in her, but she's just been very inconsistent. But Clay, I was impressed with her in Rome. She lost to Halep in three tight three sets, and uh, gift, and then obviously Switalina just smashed her in the final again. But if it had been the other way around, Sharpova would have knocked Svitolina out. She gets lucky draws, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I remember. I thought that Svitolina was going to win the French after she snapped around <laughs> Sharapova in that match. And I put, that was my largest future bet of the year. <laughs> and that thing was just a waste of money. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I remember. I thought Svitolina, when she smacked around Sharapova, no, no, I said no, she, she didn't play. She open, didn't play Sharapova. No. She, she knocked Halep out in the final. But Halep. I mean Halep, yeah, my bad. But she Halep knocked did out the Halep, dirty my work bad. For her, do you know what I mean? She she took out the the powerhouse for her.
All right, so unless we got anybody else who want to talk on the French, we'll, we'll jump forward to Wimbledon, which, you know, again, if we have a healthy Serena Williams, which we're trying to think of somebody outside of her, whose game do we like on the grass courts in uh, close to you, John Joe? Oh, it's got to be Camilla Giorgi. She's a dark horse always now. She, when, she's, when she's had a year like that, she can only, I think, she's, she's proven she can do it on the big stage. She's become more controlled with her hitting. Obviously, that aggressive game is, she's, she's strong-willed and I think that's what gets her through. And Yeah, I think she'll be a threat next year at Wimbledon too. Do you think that the fact that she doesn't care about women's tennis at all is, helps her? <laughs> yeah, completely. I think it's a, a little, it's a low-key arrogance, but it's a good arrogance. Do you know what I mean? It's a, yeah. it's, um, it's kind of like, she, did she, do you know that, you know her handshakes say it all, they're brilliant. They're just emotionless. She looks at them, quick handshake, and then walks, packs her stuff up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you were going to say who's the most arrogant player on the tour, I think that she'd be in your top five. I think uh, you need arrogance to win, especially in, at the Grand Slams. You need to just, uh, you don't need help, do you know what I mean? And I think, she is it her dad? She Her dad's a coach, and um, that can only take you so far sometimes. Maybe she she would benefit with someone else with her. I'm not sure if she has someone behind the scenes but if she had someone with her maybe she could take it to the next level yeah I agree with you there have you heard some of the legendary stories about her uh, her dad in Italy and how they're actually um, I don't know if they still are but for a while they were banned from any public court in Italy they had to play at private clubs <laughs> I've not heard this no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess I guess he's such like a, a rabble rouser would be the right term but I guess he causes so many problems that, with the uh, with the I don't know what their tennis federation is called their version of the USDA that they banned him from all uh, public courts and when she's in Italy, she has to practice in private courts. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I want to get banned from like something that that like exclusive. That's amazing. That's I'm kind of proud of her. Well, the first thing you're gonna have to do is show up with uh, with your shirt, you know, halfway untucked and all the chest hair coming out with the gold chains. I think that's another good part of his look too. <laughs> it's definitely a classic Italian look. So, anybody else we're thinking about for Wimbledon? So Wimbledon is the one place that I think that my favorite, Ostapenko, can make some noise. I think that it's funny that she won Roland Garros because I think her game is more suited to grass. And uh, I think if she gets the right draw here, um, and because of the way Wimbledon is, um, you know, it won't force her to hit a lot of the extra winners, and, you know, her winners will just be winners. Um, I think that this will be the chance that she has to make some noise. I don't see her winning the tournament, but I, if I were to predict what tournament Ostapenko is going to do the best in, I would predict... Uh, Wimbledon. I'll be interested to see how Kerber defends her title because I'll tell you what, going into that, there's no way you could have told me that Kerber was going to win Wimbledon last year. So I'm very surprised about that. And for a retriever, um, Wozniacki does fairly well on grass. So I'd be interested to see her. But um, as of right now, I would have to say, you know, I, I, that's the tournament I expect Serena to win next year. Yeah, I'm flipping through the list to see if there's anybody else we might have missed here for Wimbledon. But, again, maybe another good one for Karolina Pliskova. Uh, uh, Pliskova and Jordan yeah, and Gorgas could say, also Karolina do well. Pliskova, I'm thinking of the big servers. And we talked, if Sabalenka does win a slam this year, this would be the one that I expect I agree her to with win. you on Julia Gorgas there. She's, um, she, ha she had a good run there this year. Was it quarterfinals or semifinals? 
I think she made the quarters. Maybe check the. I've not even not got a website in front of me, so I've been kind of winging it in terms of the names that you've been spitting out. But let me think. Uh, Kvitova. I mean, she's got to be in there for Wimbledon, surely. Uh, yeah, definitely she does. And I remember thinking big things about her last year, but she's really been another one that's been having problems putting together multiple matches. You know, she'll look great one night, and then the next night, um, you know, she just won't have it. But um, I remember she she uh, did very well in the lead-up tournaments, right, in our little three-week grass swing that we get in between the French and Wimbledon. Yeah. Did she win Birmingham, was it? Or I think it was Birmingham. Yeah, I'm pulling that up right now. Because her year, when I think about Cavito, I was almost surprised that she made the WTA finals this year. I know that she's a really good player, but I was going back through, th- looking at it all, thinking, I'm like, okay, that's oh, really... Well, she did very well the first six months, and it's probably just oh, recency God. bias because she didn't do very well. Actually, after she won Wimbledon. five tournaments this year. She won St. Petersburg, Doha, yeah. Prague, Madrid, and Birmingham. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, once you get right. from Birmingham, but it's those, but I mean, cuts off in July, right. June even. Oh, I know yeah. who could be a dark horse for Wimbledon. Just I just had a look at the rankings now of Donna Vekic. Oh yeah, like one of spreads favorites. She's got a good game for it. <laughs> She can, she can serve. I mean, I, I'm more of a fan of going for people who could go under the radar and dark horse it and get a deep run. I think you can you can obviously just say the names like Serena Williams, Patrick Kvitova, but it's it's too easy. <laughs> I like a challenge. Yeah, no, and the thing is, if you take Vetches before the tournament, you're going to get such a high number, you'll be able to hedge by the quarterfinals. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, and you can still make money, because if she's sitting there at, like, plus 2,500 or plus 3,000, um, you know, you can start hedging in the quarters. So, uh, I do like those plays, yeah, Actually, too. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it, I'll, I'll get the rankings up. I'm just going to fire out a couple names to you guys. From These will all be women ranked 50 or higher, and just kind of yes or no, do you think they have a chance to win a, a Grand Slam next year? Um, but, 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 let's start with um, Owns Jabor. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's see. What about um, what about Lapko? Not yet. No. Yeah. No. Not yet. Yeah, not at all. all. Right. Let's see who else here. I'd be surprised if she even made the quarter. She'd have to have a real favorable draw. Let's see. Somebody like uh, Djokovic. I've not watched her enough. I. Is she. I, when I have watched her, I thought maybe she would be more of a clay quarter. Is that true? Would you say? Yeah, she definitely. And I think if she were to do it, she would have to kind of get helped out on her draw. Like, you know, if the top player on her, top players in her quarter got knocked out or something. I don't think she'll be ready to do it yet this year. But um, another couple of years, I think she was going to be really good if she sticks with it. Jeannie Bouchard. Not a chance. <laughs> no. That was for you, Bo. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, no, Jeannie. How about, I don't uh, think how about Margarita Gasparian? Ooh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, what, are you, what are you thinking, Roland Garros? I don't, I don't think she's got it yet. I, don't, I think that... Um, I don't think she serves well enough to, to take care of it. And I know that some of the better players will hammer that one-handed backhand. And um, even though it looks good, I think that sometimes when she gets too deep behind the baseline, uh, it can become a hindrance for her. So I don't think that Gus Byron's ready yet. 
Let's see, who else do we have here? Um, somebody that I, we made a, a good amount of money spread betting on this year, Katarina Kozlova. Mm, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, not a fan of her, to be honest. I think she's very, she's, she's well-rounded, but I don't think there's anything which stands out which says maybe she could take some big matches by the scuff of the neck if she went deep anyway. I don't really see it. Yeah, I agree with Jonjo there on her being well-rounded, and uh, I don't think her serve is, is good enough to really um, make it too far in, in one of these tournaments. I think that um, she's real good at taking advantage of her opponent's mistakes, but when she goes against the better players that aren't going to give her anything to work with, I don't think she has a lot of options. All right, we'll do two more here I got on my list. Uh, Marketa Vondrasova. Ooh. I think out of everyone you've named so far, she has the best chance. <laughs> I think not yet. Another another not yet. It's a bit premature, I think, for me. She's... Uh, I, I can't really figure out what her best surface is either. I mean, I, when I've watched her, she's been very good on all of them. Kind of nothing really stands out to me. All right, and the final name here, someone who's done really well for us in the smaller tournaments here, Lucika Kumkum. <laughs> oh... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see her making it either. I think that she's uh, she's very content to beat the the players that she's better than at these smaller tournaments. But I can't she, see her um, doing too well against the top players. She's interesting. I mean, her style is a bit awkward, but it can be very punchy. She's a very punchy player. She um, and I think, but she but she prefers to hide in these little WTA IT what's it called one one twenty five Ks she avoids all the big tournaments just where she gets all her points <laughs> she really does and it's been a good year for us backing her in some of those tournaments but let's talk a little bit about the final grand slam we didn't quite get to the uh, u.s open it'll be the final one next year any chance we get an american here john joe i'd really like to see sloan stevens win again if possible this time madison keys she's she's got to do it i mean she's lost two finals now and i Imagine how good, imagine how much she would have achieved if she didn't have these injury injury issues. She's got, like, I think one of you guys were saying she has the biggest forehand. I agree with that. The, the power she gets on it is just so easy. Obviously, it's a big swing, but it's, it's a, and the big serve. If anyone deserves it, I mean, she's probably knocking on the door the most if she can be fit. I worry about her mental game. Do you do you have concerns with that? Whenever I go to place a bet on Madison in a big, big match, I always worry that, you know, when it gets tough that she's going to fold up. Shh. Uh, depends. I mean, who's she playing? <laughs> Cause, and there's only a few who she would choke to if, if you were going to put it that way. Uh, obviously, Serena, she's got the, the aura about uh, everyone is afraid of her in, in a way on the tour, but... She just looks at them. She'll be, they'll they'll be quaking. But I mean, honestly, Madison Keys is that kind of choker player. I don't don't really see it. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really agree with that. Actually, I think she's mentally quite tough. And these experiences of injuries throughout her young career can only stead her forward in a good way. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Well, hopefully you're right because I'm a big Keys fan. Uh, maybe I just got burned too many times um, betting on her in these finals. I know I was pretty big on her in the U.S. Open in 2017. Oh, noobs, I was waiting for you. I thought she, I thought she was going to blow Sloan <laughs> off the court. 
Oh, I was waiting for Noobs to say Sinyakova. I was sitting there like... You know, when you were listing players, I was waiting for you to say Sinyakova. Like, what do you think she'll do in a slam? You know, I didn't get to her. She's actually 31, so she missed the uh, 50 or, or above cutoff. I think that she's a great player. Um, you know, I think all that success in doubles. One of my biggest frustrations watching the WTA is how few of these women actually come to the net and try to do anything there with any real success. Because I think the ones that are good at it when they do do it are just incredible because it happens so so very little. And I think Sinyako, with all her doubles experience, could hopefully translate some of that in, into um, with the style of play that I like to watch. So I think that she could actually put it together for two whole weeks and and maybe go go pretty far in one of these tournaments yeah definitely i agree with that um she's she's streaky she's a streaky player i mean if you catch her at the right time in the right mood she can she can just tear through any most players on the tour and um like you say the doubles only helps her another player who is similar to her in that way they play doubles is caroline garcia and they both i think caroline garcia cut her double schedule so that maybe will, if, if Sinia Kobe did that, maybe she could have better results in the singles. Yeah, I think it really speaks to the depth of the WTA Tour, though, that we're this far into the pod and we're just mentioning Garcia and we barely mentioned Sloan Stevens. And I mean, uh, both these women have a chance to win uh, pretty much all four of the titles. So, I mean, really, the WTA is wide open right now. I think it's become more interesting since Serena's kind of grip of dominance. Um, has left the tour. I know a lot of people like just watching greatness, greatest of all time, stuff like that. I prefer this new WTA where uh, 15 to 20 women have a shot every at the beginning of every tournament. Yeah, me too. It's uh, unpredictable, and it's very, yeah, it's just interesting to see who can take the take the opportunity and the void that Serena leaves. Um, but, wait, hang all right, on. So there's a few more. So speaking of Serena, John Joe, do you see her winning a tournament this year? Do you see her winning a Grand Slam Serena this year? Williams, you say? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think it might even, she might just get it done early, in, you know, Australian Open, and then she might just, you know, carry on being a mum for the rest of the year, you know? <laughs> she, <laughs> she's, she, she, she chooses when she wants to win sometimes, which is kind of funny, but... <laughs> um, what about Coco Vandeweghe? That's a hard player for me to get a I'm handle a big, on. Yeah. I'm a big fan of hers too, but she's really been carrying that injury for a little while now. So let's see how she looks coming out of um, coming out of it. That boy, I tell you what, that 2017 U.S. Open, I had everything wrong. I had Coco over Madison in the semis. <laughs> I thought that she was going to make the final that year. And then I had uh, Madison over Sloan. So I remember I was just getting everything wrong left or right on that one. But, uh, yeah, I think Coco's an exciting player. She can really dial up the serve. <laughs> Um, I'd be interested to see how well she does in Wimbledon. Seems like she's been carrying that injury for almost like look half at, the year. Look though. at her ranking; she's ranked just outside the top hundred now. That's one player I want Svitolina to get in the first round because it'll be good justice. She'll be out by the first round. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so where did this where did this uh, this disdain for Svitolina come from, John? Oh, Joe? I just um, like. Sometimes I've been betting against her and then her coach comes on and just turns a match around for her and it's kind of, <laughs> it gets a bit annoying. I just, um, so I kind of started to play it a bit. I mean, if she was down a set and super coach would come on, give her the good pep talk, the good advice, the tactical advice, what she needs to do, the changes, serve this way, serve that way. And um, 
yeah you, you can obviously profit that way if you're listening in i mean you've got to be dialed in for that kind of thing though and um but it's yeah it's annoying because uh then then she gets booked as the favorite for the french open and stuff like that and i'm thinking well hang on a minute he can't do that at the slam so it just completely it leaves her stranded there on on the court and then everyone's shocked that she loses to buzz on and players like that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. She's Bozanescu. I mean, I think now don't 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 call me crazy here, but a potential Roland Garros outsider as well. If we're going to go back there, I love that. I I think that she has a great game for clay, and uh, you know, without that ankle injury, I, I wonder what the second half of your year ends up looking like. I think she's a player we'd probably be talking a lot about the last month or so if she was healthy. Yeah, she's like the Nadal of the fucking WTA. She's a pest. Just grinding. Hooking <laughs> that left forehand constantly, repeated. Uh, all right, so I think that just wraps about every, every, every question or thing that I wanted to talk about. So, John, do you any questions for us? Um, maybe on the betting side. Um, what do you... Let me think, uh, who are your favourite tipsters in the tennis Twitter communities around, well, this year? Who, who do you rate? Well, I, I mean, well, of course, it's, I'll, I'm going to pull up and see who I've got. Of course, we've got to give a shout out to the, uh, the godfather of tennis Twitter, Whale Capper. Um, you know, a lot of his picks come out around the slams, and I think he does some of the Masters tournaments, but he is absolutely one of the very best. But let's pull up the... Uh, my Twitter follows here and see if I can give a shout out to a couple people. Um, I know you love your buddy Tennis Profits. He's up and down, but I, I think he, for the most part, is more positive than he is negative when you're not messing with him too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, he had a, um, well, he, he had a good, uh, good run in the summer, didn't he? And um, then I whooped his ass in the cap off, so that was good. Bring <laughs> <laughs> him back down um, to our buddy. <laughs> That's right. Our buddy Jay at JTennis20, um, you know, again, doesn't post quite for every tournament, but Jay's plays are always really great. Spread, I don't know, is there anybody else that you follow that you've got here? I'm just flipping through looking. Um, uh, the, uh, I, when I'm on the opposite side of uh, Vinny at Matter Tips Tennis, that's when I start to worry <laughs> because he seems to have a real sharp handle on this. And, um, I mean, he knows these players that, you know, like these ITFs and stuff that I'm barely, you know, keeping a handle on, and he seems to know their games really well. Um, so he's, to me, he's the, the number one uh, for the WTA. Um, obviously, Jorge, when, when he's posted in a round, I'm always worried um, when I'm on the, the opposite side of him. Um, another ATP because he seems to have a real good handle on it too. Yeah, another ATP guys, but we got our friends at the Ball Boys podcast. Um, Andy doesn't really post tennis picks, but uh, Big Ten Watto um, Kelly is is absolutely one of the best. He writes a preview article for uh, pretty much every men's match every single day throughout the year, and it's just unbelievable content, putting out winners and, and giving you everything you could ever want there. And then uh, Jimmy Nichols, I'm looking at what is it? What's Jimmy's handle? Uh, at Druftus Druft. Uh, Druftus Druft. Yeah, he's he's great. Again, he posts a lot. Of challengers just about every day. I, th I think those are some of the best. Anybody, anybody we missed, Fred? You think? Uh, Jeff's really good, but he doesn't post all the time. That's true. But he's got he, he knows a lot about women's tennis, and he'll bring you up on a lot of trends where I'm thinking that a side is just golden, and he'll he'll shoot a couple trends my way, and I'm like, ooh, I think I might be on the wrong side. Oh, you know who we forgot? That's wonderful, Ravi. 
<laughs> what an absolute clown. What a deluded man. <laughs> oh my god, he's just, uh, it's, you know, I like a good train wreck and he is just constantly providing just outrageous stuff and, you know, for those of you guys who, who don't know Ravi and his many different forms, I think right now he's currently money on tennis, he's been mastering on tennis, mastery of tennis, he's been everything and anything, but um, just a little angry uh, British Indian kid who, uh, who loves betting on tennis and, um, you know, he's, he's okay at it, but what does he go through, four or five bankrolls a season? A month. <laughs> That's yeah. Anybody you want to give a shout out to, John Joe? Yeah, um, there's a few. There's a few new ones I rate. I mean, they've, they've kind of sprung up with my absence. They're pretty. They're pretty good. Um, Wadster tips. You've heard of him? He's a British tipster. Yep. And tennis daily tips. He's become really good lately. I mean, he's been. He must. He must have like won 18 out of 20 tips towards the end of the season betting on. Yeah, I mean, towards the World Tour Finals and stuff, so I rate him at the moment. Not sure how he will do in the long term. And obviously, Matters Tennis Tips or Matters World Peace, whatever he calls himself. I mean, he's the steady Eddie, you know. He's the he's what most tipsters think. Okay, if I'm anything close to him, I'm doing all right. Yeah, he's the gold standard. I totally agree with that. Ten uh, tennis Daily Tips has been really good. Um, tennis Better, at Better Tennis. Um, he's been putting up some pretty good stuff. Uh, Tim's Top Tennis Tips. I just found him about a month or so ago. He's got some interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it's a thriving community, John Joe. You know, we, we've missed you, so we'll, it'll be good to have you back. Um, so I don't know, Spread, any, any other uh, thoughts or questions here maybe before we wrap up or just getting to the top of the hour? Yeah, no, I thought this was a lot of fun, and we're going to have John Joe back on again soon. Yeah, I think so. Do you have fun, John Joe? All right, it's interesting. I mean, it'll be good to come back on and um, give more opinions. Uh, I didn't get to slate Svitolina as much as I wanted to on this one, but maybe <laughs> next time. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, we'll carve out five, ten minutes for the next time you come on, and you can just, you know, a full-on breakdown. And we'll, we'll sit here quietly. You know, you get your monologue ready, five, ten minutes, and uh, we'll mute. We'll try to get Jorge on for that one, and we'll mute him while you're going, and then uh, let you guys have at it. Maybe that's what we'll do for Jorge's uh, brilliant return. Yeah, that sounds like a plan for Jorge's return. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, John Joe. We had a lot of fun, and we look forward to having you back next time. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening. You know, reach out to us. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Um, we'll send out John Joe's handle with the uh, with the podcast as well, so you can get his picks and, and thoughts as he's back on Twitter for us finally. So, thanks, everybody, and have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers. <laughs> <laughs>